The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. D.D. Denslow is digging deeper on today's News Talk TNT Radio. And welcome back to TNT Radio. Uh, This is uh, a Sunday New Year's Eve early edition of of Digging Deeper. Uh, In fact, I am the last live voice that you will hear in 2023 on TNT Radio. And I'd like to thank everybody who has been tuning in to listen, not just to me, but to all of our other uh, wonderful commentators and hosts here at TNT Radio. So big shout out, especially to everybody in the live chat. I will try to look at your questions over the next hour for my next guest. And I have got uh, David Edelman. I've been pronouncing that wrong. I've been told, so my bad. David Edelman, he is the people's lawyer. Um, He's a Cambridge University educated and qualified solicitor. He's a former English teacher. I used to hate, I I used to love my English teacher, but I generally, I'm not an English teacher man. I was always a sciencey maths type. Uh, uh, He's also author of the book, No Place for Children, arguing that schools are indoctrination camps. Uh, And now I have spent some time uh, i spent you know a, a little bit of time in comprehensives uh, and what i my experience of comprehensives was was it was like a prison system you open the door you let students out you put them into another classroom and then you lock that door behind them you try to keep them occupied or not killing each other for an hour and then you move them on to the next classroom that's what i saw in the local comprehensive uh, to me here in plymouth as part of my work experience uh, and and to be honest Uh, All I saw in uh, the local further education college here in Plymouth, uh, an organization whose name I'm not actually, I'm forbidden from mentioning because I'm on a non-disclosure agreement. They made me sign an NDA, David. Uh, And, uh, but there's only one further education uh, college in Plymouth, so you can work out which one it's called. Uh, But that, in terms of indoctrination, was off the scale in its wokeness and its insanity. So these will be some of the topics I'm sure we will be covering in just a few minutes when David joins me. Uh, some of the events uh, of 2023, I'm just running through a few. Uh, Russia, it's uh, it's Luna 25, Luna Land that didn't make it to the moon. Yeah, in August 19th. But a couple of days later, the Indians did. And there was a big furore online about the Indians getting a lander on the moon. They even showed us footage of it landing. And then wonder why everybody starts screaming on social media that space is fake. Very amusing was that imagery. Uh, Donald Trump became the first US president to have their mugshot taken. Probably one of the most uh, famous mugshots in the world uh, and apparently made him a lot of money on merch because he just stuck it on t-shirts and cups and stuff uh research into fossil footprints at white sands national park in new mexico confirmed humans were in america's at least twenty-one thousand years ago that was discovered on october the 5th i'm surprised we haven't heard more about that because it actually brings in uh the the linear history that we have been taught about where we come from us human beings and then uh well there are events i've got two more uh, october the 8th uh israel formally declared war on hamas uh, and November the 10th, 
Oh, that's a bit of a weird one. Colombia began a campaign to sterilize Paulo Escobar's hippos because outside of Africa, the largest hippo community is in Colombia. Um, I thought I'd just mention that because it's quite amusing. Okay, we are live on Rumble, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Odyssey, and all the other video platforms. So you can go there. You'll be able to get to see me uh, and my nice... My nice beard that I've been growing. Uh, uh, but you can also go on the tntradio.live website. Uh, there's a live chat on there. Please go and join in with the conversation. Uh, there's also a, a merch store so you can get yourself a nice jumper or, or a nice uh, I know, phone case or maybe some slippers or some socks or something. Uh, maybe you can buy them now in January off the merch store and then give it to your friends and family in Christmas next year. Who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, we'll put a little Christmas discount up there in January but whatever you do please um, please spread the word about TNT help us grow in 2024 David uh, David Edelman uh, very uh, kind of you to join me today uh, I really really uh, appreciate it um, this is the first time that we've actually spoken so if you don't mind if you could just introduce yourself to me uh, and to the audience and then we'll kick off on our conversation mate yeah, hi, Darren. Um, it's good to be on. I've been on TNT a few times, um, so I, I know I know the drill. Uh, yeah, I used to be a lawyer a long, long time ago, um, but got very disillusioned very quickly. Saw through the system and got out. Went out on the road, literally delivering parcels, and then found myself found myself in Spain teaching English as a foreign language. Came back to this country after seven years because I was determined not to come back before I'd. Uh, mastered uh, sp uh, Spanish as, a, as, as my own foreign language and came back. And I have a passion, a lifelong passion, which is um, playing and, and um, teaching bridge because I'd already started teaching bridge, which is the card game. I'd uh -huh. started teaching that in Spain. So I was eventually offered funding to go to schools. So I'm, I'm bringing the two worlds together now, law and education. Um, I went to schools for many years actually sometimes voluntary sometimes funded and that's where i had the experiences that i went to schools for many years actually sometimes voluntary sometimes funded and that's where i had the experiences that led me to write the book school no place for children and i was about to i'd just done a um, glastonbury symposium keynote speech in july of 2019 and i was about to embark on a national tour talking about the book and about the implications of schooling. And then you know what happened next, March 2020, scuppered my plans. And here we are three or four years later. And I, what happened was basically people were saying to me, David, um, you've been studying law and researching for your book, because that's what I've been doing in the period when I was def basically after being funded, I got defunded because what I was doing was too popular with the kids and too unpopular with the, with the teachers. So that resentment led me to the, write the book and also led me to research about how um, the system doesn't really, really work for its, for its users. You know, whether you're a teacher or a lawyer or, or, a, or a user of the system, it, it does, it's geared towards milking the, um, the energy of, of, the, of the system users and just um, and siphoning, siphoning it off for those at the top. Mm -hmm. So I'd re researched into true law um, created a course 
which is now the People's Lawyer Privacy and Universal Rights course, and went out onto the streets proselytizing about the um, about the evils of uh, lying to the people and that there wasn't actually a virus, that it was all a hoax, and um, eventually had to go underground because it kept being threatened with arrest. And, um, and here we are three or four years later, and <clears throat> interest in these talks and in the course waned when they lifted the restrictions, but uh, they, I, I do believe that those restrictions are coming back in March, something like that. And uh, so people will hit the panic button and they will want to know their rights again. Meanwhile, the, the priority that I have is, is um, getting um, parents to at least consider taking their boys and girls out of school because that's the, that's the danger zone, Darren. That's where the shit really does hit the fam. Yeah, uh, and that is a message as a former teacher myself that I've actually tried to push here on TNT is that your, your, your kids are better off being homeschooled than in an indoctrination camp, which is exactly what they are. Before we go on to uh, uh, schools and young people, you mentioned that you believe restrictions are coming back in March. What, for another virus, another pandemic? Uh, what did you mean by that? Um, well... <clears throat> yes, it would probably be um, the uh, was it what the an a, an dot dot one so once one of those variants they'll make it up as they make it up as they go along. Yeah, right? uh, I mean I've seen so, lots of talk about Ebola and and Marburg have recently been doing the rounds again uh, on social media. Do you think they'll come with something a bit scarier than COVID? Because I think most people have woken up to the fact that. Whatever COVID was, it wasn't dangerous. It was it was a lie? Yeah, they won't. Yeah, they won't call it COVID. Although uh, there's still a, a fairly chunky proportion of the population that are still COVID phobic and are still wearing masks. So I think it will be mission creep over the next few weeks. We'll see more and more places insisting on mask usage and social distancing. You still, if you know where to look, you can still see all the signs. I was at a, uh, a bus a bus uh, station recently. And they've still got these hands safe, you know, hands face space signs up. And there's even in the pavement in Cambridge, where I was about a year ago, etched into the pavement. So this is not going anywhere. This, this the, the idea was that this, this although we, we lament the fact that it lasted over two years when it was only supposed to last two weeks, it was meant to last 10 years. It was meant to be pretty much an eternal lockdown. Um, and then when it finally ended, we would all be uh, in a digital uh, virtual prison. But there are, um, there are counter moves going on to make sure that it's, that it wasn't as bad as that. And, um, some people call it the white hat movement. But, um, but whenever you mention the white hat movement, you get this, this, get this surge of cynicism, which is from the black pilled brigade who say, Oh no, it's all BS. You know, we're, we're, we're on our own. Well, um, I've got news for people. If we are on our own, we're, we're, we've got no chance. We need, we need military support because we've got entire cohorts of police and agents against us and we're not armed and we've got migrants and we've got all kinds of, no, we're going to need military backup, but that doesn't mean we can just sit tight and wait for the military to save us. That's not what it's about. It's about saving ourselves and one of the my key missions and i'm repeating myself is sure. to get the kids out of the school classroom because when the shit hits the fan and if they get caught off guard the shutters come down 
and they found themselves being jabbed and inoculated and nasal sprayed because the whole purpose of this charade is to sterilize the next generation so that we can't procreate. And, uh, you know, so this is what basically we're, we're on a rear guard mission to make sure that the next generation not only don't get lobotomized and your last guest, Carl was talking about 80% of people yeah. being moron, morons. And my suggestion is that that's because 98% of people go to school. So it's a, it's a, um, a lobotomization process. And we have to make sure that um, that we that we get the boys and girls out of the firing line so that they can maintain their integrity and their ability to make positive, self-nurturing, free will choices, which they can't do in the school. Now, they haven't been able to do that for a very long time, to be honest. School is not about that. School is about control. It's not about nurturing the boy or girl into into healthy adulthood. That's the last thing it's about. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, the, the, there has been there has been a massive focus on schools. There was quite a big focus on schools during the COVID period, particularly with vaccinations. Uh, I myself have seen the level of indoctrination, uh, the, the 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 way that um, uh, uh, critical thinking isn't promoted in schools. Uh, and one of the reasons why I went into the education system was that I was hoping, in some small way, I could contribute to uh, putting people out into society that were able to to make good decisions and actually i was thinking politically voting that was that was my drive i need people to go out and vote for the right people because we keep voting for these morons who then come and lock us down but the reality is uh the people who are leaving school today uh for me when i'm when i'm 60 70 years old in a care home or wherever i might have been hustled off to these people leaving school now are going to be the ones making those decisions. Should we be worried about the future because of the caliber of people that we're putting out into society? Well, yes, yes and no. We should certainly should be concerned about their future, but not about our own future. It's, it's about consciousness. And, um, and I just want to take up um, a phrase that you've just used. You seem to have equated old age with being 60 to 70. Well, I'm banging Sorry. in the middle of that. I'm in my mid 60s. And, and that's, not, that's not your fault, Darren. It's, it's the, the, the system has made people believe that, you know, it's like when you see those signs in the streets for the elderly where they're bent over and they're using a walking stick. Yeah, well, yeah. this is pr- predictive programming. Um, I, I'm in my mid 60s. I play table tennis, fit as a fiddle. Um, you know, and, um, there's no reason why, you know, aging, like anything is, is, is a mental construct. And when you go to school, they don't deconstruct this for you. They, they just, they ignore it. Like they don't deconstruct money. They don't deconstruct Mm -hmm. health. They don't prepare you for all any of the things that you're going to need later on in life. So back to your original point, um, what do we have to look forward to? Well, those of us who are waking up or are already awake have an immense amount to look forward to because it's, at the end of the day, it's still the same green, beautiful green and blue planet. Um, but those who are not waking up, those who are being sucked into the vortex, into the black hole that is the system, have got a very grim future and they will only be able to escape it with a visor on and in the metaverse because they will be indoctrinated into thinking that the natural world is um dying or even dead and there'll be a separation we won't even come into contact with them so this is why really and in fact i'm recruiting for the natural earth for the 
for the new earth to, to get um, boys and girls. Let, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story which I think is bang on this situation. There's, there were, there was uh, two sisters um, who, um, who I personally know. I know their parents as well. I know their entire family. And during the mask uh, insanity of about two to three years ago, their parents, one of whom is a deputy head, uh, pulled them out of school because they just thought this is this is one piece of insanity too far. And they pulled them out of school and they've remained out of school ever since and they're never going back. They're now about 10 and 12 or maybe 9 and 11, I can't remember. But at the time they were about 7 and 8. And <clears throat> what happened next was quite interesting. They would be uh, given lessons by their mum and dad at, at home and whenever they thought they, they were in school mode around the kitchen table and the books were out, something would click in their brains because they're now back in school. And rather than just going to the toilet because they're in their own home, they would put their hand up and ask for permission of their mum and dad, mum or dad, if wow. they could go to the toilet. So that makes us realize that in fact what's going on in schools is that permission is now needed for everything and in fact even if you are allowed a license to go to the toilet you can often find that the toilets are locked during the breaks you know it's basically it's it's um it's inhuman beyond belief and now children are now going home with um urinary infections you know urinary tract infections and it's just the lunatics have taken over the asylum the um, anti-human brigade have got into the schools uh, as they've got into hospitals, uh, uh, courtrooms, um, bank, banking systems. They're all over. And the only remedy is total disengagement, stroke, complete withdrawal. And as you were rightly saying before, it's not about fixing the system because that would be pissing on a fire, pissing in the wind. It's about literally withdrawing your time and energy, turning your back, this is what I teach on my law course. The, the, the ideal remedy, the most peaceful remedy is turn your back and make your own life. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, and you're right. I, I went in as a wet behind the ears trainee teacher in uh, 2016, uh, uh, believing that I could fix the system, that I knew it was broken, and that me and me alone, and this is my attitude, and I soon found uh, very, very quickly that I was, it wasn't just a challenge, uh, what I thought I might be able to achieve in a school or in a college as it was, was absolutely, was impossible. And you're right, uh, the, the best thing you could do is withdraw your energy and turn your back on it and walk away and focus on things that matters, which is what I do here. Uh, on TNT Radio. We're going to a quick break now, uh, David. And then when we come back, I'm going to ask you, the question I'm going to ask you is what is going wrong in schools and why? Maybe dig into the bones a bit and pick some particular elements of what's going on in our education system that is uh, uh, the, 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 the sort of behaviour behind the anti-human brigade that's indoctrinating our children. So please stay right with us here on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? 
right, where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also help kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. Well, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, D.D. Denslow, uh, on a Sunday New Year's Eve uh, edition of Digging Deeper. A big shout out to everybody in the live chat, to Skippy. Oh, Heather's just joined us. Uh, Mally's still there. Dud, Red, you're all in on the live chat. And actually, uh, Skippy, who always makes a prescient and very relevant uh, comment in the live chat, has said, the system is not broken. It is doing exactly what it is designed to do. That's why it cannot be fixed. It needs to be taken down. Uh, that sort of matches the question I asked before. What is wrong with the education system, David? Uh, any comments on that comment? And my question, please, my friend. Well, um, ha- what's wrong with the education? We don't have enough time, Darren. It's easier to talk about what's right with it. Uh, and that's a very easy answer. Nothing. Um, th- there was... There was um, before we came on, in fact, before your show started, there was uh, an interview with someone talking about toxic environments and epigenetics. Now, epigenetics is the new science that suggests that our health is determined by our environment, including our attitude. And the classroom, being the toxic environment it is, can only produce uh, young, young people who are toxic. And that toxicity will take the form of mental retardation because they haven't been encouraged to think for themselves and narcissism. And one of the things that I'm at pains to point out in my talks is that we are producing generation after generation, and it's getting worse, yeah. of um, narcissists who really, it's all about the me, me, me generation. They cannot think beyond the end of their nose that they've, they are reduced in empathy and science, science, scientific studies have suggested that when you lower, well, when you um, give children stressful environments, it reduces their empathy virtually to zero. And that's also true of everyone. So when you're stressed, you are low in empathy, you're low in intelligence because you're operating from the mammalian part of the brain, not from the Spock neofrontal 
cortex, and there's a German scientist suggesting that the hippocampus in people now has been compromised. So we are generic, generally suffering from uh, too much stress, uh, empathy levels shooting down below the, to the floor, uh, not enough intelligence, and basically we are ripe, we are vulnerable to attack because if you're if you're if you don't know what you don't know which is the lack of intelligence that you get from schooling then those people that do know what you don't know can easily manipulate you manipulate you into what doing and thinking whatever they want you to do and think and the other thing that i would describe the schooling system as is diabolical it's it's infested with um, demonic content, you know, hypersexualizations going on, yeah. teaching four-year-olds to masturbate. Um, it is just is well, it doesn't even, I don't even, I hardly talk about this to be honest, cause it's too easy to talk. It's too easy to be dismissive of it, dismissive. And what the, the system might then do is say, Oh, we, we accept that. Maybe we got it wrong. Maybe we shouldn't teach four-year-olds to masturbate. And um, we, we've we've removed that, we've cleaned that up from the from the uh, curriculum, and that might make people think, oh, it's okay, danger's passed. No, the danger has been there all along, and in fact, it was pointed out, as I point out in my book, actually, by a guy called Alexander Ingalls, spelt I-N-G-L-I-S, in 1918. That's one nine one eight. So the turn of the um, last century in a lecture at Harvard that was covered up. It, it, it took John Taylor Gatto about 10 years to find it. He's the author of um, Weapons of Mass Instruction. And it was all about the secondary, in particular secondary um, model of schooling designed to be divisive, um, differentiate in class, know your place, conform, um, uniform thinking, um, subhumanization, demoralization. This is actually the purpose of, in particular, secondary schooling. And in the last several decades, it's crept down to primary or elementary, if you're watching from outside the UK. So that now it's pretty much, you know, from the age of about seven or eight, schooling is designed to subhumanize you. Yeah, and uh, you, you was just saying, you know, uh, about uh, lack of empathy, lack of responsibility, critical thinking. These are things that we're sort of breeding into our children in the schooling system. And I actually, I think it was Libs of TikTok put a video out the other day and it had young teachers, 25 year olds saying, I don't know how to control the students. Uh, they won't listen to me. Uh, they tell me that uh, I, I can't tell them what to do. Uh, they're throwing stuff. They're being violent in class. Uh, they're not learning. They've got a reading age five or six years younger than what they should have. Um, so this is really starting to become apparent. And this is this was like eight year olds, seven year olds that they were talking about. Um, uh, how do we turn this around? Are you suggesting that all children should be taught at home? Or is there a way that we can fix the education system? And I'm not sure how that, that, that can be achieved. What are your solutions to, uh, uh, to this crisis? Well, first of all, let me comment on the, there's, there's rioting going on. There's all kinds of things going on in classrooms. Um, I would celebrate a certain amount of rioting because that, suggest to me that there's still life in these boys and girls. So I would be very, very, very concerned if there was no writing and no pushback against tyranny. 
What these teachers don't realize, some of them do, some of them don't, is that they represent the beast. And the beast wants to gobble the children whole. And that's what people like you and I are pushing back against, Darren. We've got to, there will be some, um, well, you could say, there'll be a period of disturbance as you say, well, before the schooling system implodes and it, and it will implode, there'll be a period in which many, many children, the vast majority are stuck in there, uh, some of whom will be uh, encouraged by their parents to push back. And in fact, I've got, I, I did send it to you, I don't know if you've got it to hand, but we've got something called a school protection card that I, um, that I've got a video on that on my website called School Protection Alert. And that empowers boys and girls, particularly I would say at secondary level, to stand up for themselves and not go through the indignity of having to riot. I mean, it's all very well rioting, but ultimately the system can push back against that and call you all kinds of names, as if it doesn't already, and criminalize you, penalize you, demonize you, and medicate you, medicalize your situation. Uh, and that can be counterproductive. So what I, what I produced in the last year was a uh, legal rights card for children who uh, can stand up for themselves. And there's a, three prongs to the remedy. There's a remedy in commerce, whereby you ask the teacher if they're giving you an order. And if the teacher says no, then you say, in that case, it's a request. Uh, I politely uh, decline the request. And if the teacher says yes, then you hand them the invoice that your parents have written out for you. Well, this is our invoice for compliance. So because schooling is a banking, um, is a branch of the bank, if you think about it, teachers get paid banking tokens, so they represent the bank. The curriculum is written by people who are paid by the bank. Yep. So when you give them, when you give a teacher an, a, a, a remedy in commerce, you're being congruent, coherent with, with the system. The next remedy is statutory. If you can ask the teacher if they're giving you um, a request or, um, or a choice, yes or no, not a request, that was the commercial. Uh, choice, yes or no, uh, are you ordering me to do that or, give it, or giving me a choice? If the answer is no choice, uh, that, well, it's obvious what you do if the answer is a choice, you just say thank you, but I'm declining to do what you're telling me to do. If the answer is no choice, then you refer them to section one, as defined in section three, subsection five of the Modern Slavery Act 2015, which is a fantastic remedy, which some people are now using in their own life to stave off HMRC, to keep HMRC at bay. So um, this would be killing so many birds with one stone, giving the boys and girls some breathing space, some practice in self-assertion, practice in asserting their rights. And if that, makes things kick off, and of course it will, because you're dealing with a narcissistic system, then the ultimate remedy is to refer them to, <clears throat> excuse me, to the International Convention on the Rights of the Child, 1989, in which if they, if you find yourself carpeted before the head teacher, you can refer, refer them to Article 29, I think it is, or 20, 28, sorry, Article 28, that treatment of boys and girls in schools should respect human dignity. And if you think about it, over the many, many decades, how many times has this, has this article been breached, not just by teachers, but by parents as well? So we have, I mean, I've, I've, when I worked in schools, I probably um, taught 
5,000, many, many thousands of boys and girls a card game, the, the, which was a version of bridge. And I didn't have to shout a, sing, a, a single one because they were engaged. And also, I, I take on board the idea that when you shout at boys and girls, all you're doing is showing yourself up as a control freak and as a sadistic mm -hmm. narcissist. There's no need. And science, science now suggests that shouting at boys and girls, belittling them before they're old enough to answer back, uh, damages their hippocampus. And uh, people ask, how come so many people have fallen for the COVID nonsense and the mask and the jab nonsense? And the shortest answer is the hippocampus has been destroyed, partly by injections from birth, partly by being abused as kids by parents and teachers. And But whoever we blame, um, and most people are actually not to blame because they were just doing what their own parents and teachers did. Whoever we blame, we, we, can now, uh, we can now work out how people have come to swallow bullshit whole is because the hippocampus is the data retention that enables you to get your reference points. It gives you your moral guidance and your rational guidance. And it, without long-term data retention, all you have is what's in front of you. And if you're being told that there's a pandemic or that there's a need to comply or there's a the need to do that, you'll, you'll just do it because you don't have the data set retained in your brain that helps you realize that it's a load of nonsense. Mm -hmm. Or the skills to go in and research behind and start asking questions about the narratives that you've been told. You just accept what you're being told as granted because you've grow up in an education system that has taught you to be solely a compliant to authority, to the teacher, to the headmistress, to whoever uh, is wearing a tie or a suit at the time. How have parents, uh, uh, I'm sure you've had plenty of dealings with parents, how, how, how are parents feeling about the education system in your experience, David, uh, in 2023 going into 2024? Are more people taking well, their kids out of school? More, definitely more, but there's a, the, there's a massive hesitancy because of the cognitive dissonance. They can see that they need to and that they should, but they can also feel that they can't because they feel disempowered by their own education. So their heads are a mess. And so one of, one of my roles is to reassure them that there's no such thing, just as the, a previous guest on the previous show to yours today, so there's no such thing as remorse from not vaccinating children. So there's no such thing as no jab remorse. Similarly, there's no such thing as home education remorse. It doesn't exist. And if it does, I haven't seen it. So, but what there is, and it's um, going back to the, the system has done something deliciously evil and clever. It's made entire cohorts of narcissists into parents whose narcissism now prevents them from doing the right thing. And they'll say things like, oh, well, I would, but I've got, I've got to go to work. Well, do you? Do you really? It's, it's, you know, and when there's particularly two, one can easily opt out and the other one can be the sole breadwinner. Or you can go into a communal situation and take turns, go part-time and be the one that's responsible for the end. Uh, for the neighborhoods, boys and girls, one day a week. Where there's a will, there's a way. It's the heart. The heart, when the heart is doing the right thing, it provides the inspiration, the motivation, the time and the energy 
to do the right thing and to make sure that you set up um, processes in place uh, so that so that children are looked after. And also the other thing that people forget is when boys and girls reach a certain age, they don't need any supervision. And we can argue about what that age is. I mean, the Gillick competency says that if they're 14, they can they don't need consent for certain medical procedures. So I would say round about, well, let's say teenage, 13, 14, they don't need supervision. And they can now be the ones that look after the 10-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 6-year-olds, 4-year-olds, yeah. which is what used to happen when mum and dad were out in the field plowing and sowing and reaping and God knows what. Boys and girls, and the more we encourage it to be done, the more it will be done, and the more it's done, it's like the 100 monkey syndrome. Yeah, All yeah. of a sudden, people will wake up one day and it will become completely natural and people will wonder why we ever did it differently. And, and one of the things that, um, by the way, I also do a bit of stand-up, and in one of my um, little routines, I ask, what's the difference between a maximum security prison and, and mainstream schooling? And the answer is about two or three years. Because if you go into a maximum security prison, you tend to go down for eight to 10 years. And in yep. school, you tend to go down for about 12 to 14 years. And, and the other major difference is in a maximum security prison, you're actually allowed your own opinion. Oh, I nearly swore then. Your own, you're actually allowed, <laughs> allowed your own opinion, which you're not at school. In school now, it used to be the odd tyrannical teacher that said this, but now it's the entire system. That the ethos now is you can't say no and you can't ask why. And that, I, I mean, that just says it all. You can't say no and you can't ask why. That, if that doesn't sound like the slippery slope down into oblivion, I don't mm -hmm. know what is. And uh, we've seen plenty of people not asking why and not saying no to to the jabs or to various other uh, narratives that are forced on the, on the public. Everyone just complies. We're going to a, a break now, David. When we come back, there are two things that I'd like to talk to you about that you've mentioned. Drugs and drugging up our young people with antidepressants and ADHD medication and all these spectrum disorders, which may also have a direct link with the trans agenda and the LGBTQ stuff that's going on in schools. Something that has uh, got me cancelled as a teacher. So I'll be discussing them with you when we come back after this break here on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I absolutely love this quote from Alex Epstein. Green energy has two problems. It's not really green and it's not really energy. And therein lies what we are fighting here. The fact of the matter is, this has nothing to do with climate. It has everything to do with restricting the ability of people to have inexpensive energy and by having inexpensive energy become more upwardly mobile. Now, hopefully this gets recognized more and more with each passing day. I know that I've been talking to some college age kids where I live and they say the college age kids are becoming more and more aware of what's going on here. That certainly would be something that would be a benefit. All we ask is that people look at all the information and make a rational conclusion given what they're actually seeing and what the data actually says. There is no climate emergency. We are in a climate optimum. And again, what a great quote. Green energy has two problems. It's not green 
and it's not energy. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? You're listening to Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. I'm here for 15 minutes. It's the last live 15 minutes uh, of TNT Radio for 2023. I will take that as a bloody good honour. I'm quite privileged uh, to have that last uh, voice here on the airwaves coming out of Australia in Brisbane. And me and David were just talking about schools. We're getting a little bit agitated. We're getting a bit... Uh, and, but I did make a point, or a point that should have been made, and that's in maximum security prisons, you can get out at halftime on good behaviour. Whereas, uh, as David pointed out to me, if you're in a school, you get put in a room for bad behaviour. And actually, the local comp that I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation uh, about 45 minutes ago... Uh, 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 uniform malfunctions, got the wrong socks on, or, or uh, a kit malfunction. You did bring a rubber in your pencil case. They get punished for that and put into isolation. And I'm sure that is no good for students. Um, David, uh, are we medicating or over no, All medicating of children is over medicating. Are we medicating our children deliberately to sort of help create the behaviors we want in the future? Well, we are, but let me just cover something that we've kind of half covered just to uh, sure. fill in a few gaps. The, 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 I want to keep reiterating the same point, but using slightly different terminology. I've, I've said that we, we leave school in a state of um, comp well, co complex post-traumatic stress disorder. We are, we are, in effect, survivors of narcissistic abuse when you when you've been through schooling and it's also true of certain dysfunctional parents as well obviously but when you've been through schooling uh, in m the vast majority of cases you will um you will come through as a survivor of narcissistic abuse now you won't realize it because everyone's been through the same traumatic process so no one notices it which is why it's called complex now what that what that means is relating it to the point about um, drugging boys and girls up what that means is that there's been a malfunction in your um, hormonal system that we are in dopamine there's no bonding taking place there's stress inducing toxic environments in which you're not allowed to be yourself and bonding with other uh, boys and girls is called cheating it's called disruption it's called being uh, against the system so when you have suffer years of that your your dopamine levels have been disrupted and what happens next is that you now need um substitute highs to bring your dopamine levels back up so it's porn it's drugs it's um it's thrills and spills it's petty crime it's uh, disruptive uh, unruly behavior and the system being the narcissistic beast that it is, 
will gaslight you and call you names and offer you medication when all along it was the system itself. There's, there's a delicious piece of maths that we can do, and it's something that I do, it, do in my talks. I ask people in my talks, who is the center of attention in most classrooms? And it's clearly the teacher. Wow. What percentage of class time is the teacher the center of attention? And most people are happy to agree that it's roughly 90% giving instructions, shouting, telling off, um, whatever, explaining, whatever. So it's not, which means that 30 boys and girls have got to share 10% of class time, which means that you get roughly 12 seconds per class hour to be yourself, to define who you are, to exercise your rights. And normally in those 12 seconds, all you're doing is answering to the legal name. I spent ten, eight years at grammar school just answering to my surname. Nobody ever called me David. So it's, it's, a, it's a belittling and a humiliation process and, a, and, uh, and putting children into a little capsule in which they suffocate. They, you deprive them of oxygen and 10 years of that or 15 years of that, and they come out, well, we've said um, with complex PTSD, uh, narcissistic abuse survivors, brain dead, morons, lobotomized. I'm, use, I'm, use, I'm repeating myself just so that people get, and get the, the message. And don't worry, we'll medicate you. We'll give you all kinds of bread and circuses and distractions to take the mind off the fact that we messed with your heads. We, uh, there's another word that is bandied about, well, that I bandy about. Not technically a crime, but it should be. It's called menticide. It's the killing of the human spirit. So we kill the human spirit and then offer it medication to compensate, uh, to put it back on some kind of even keel. The other aspect of medicating boys and girls is that, that there is a positive aspect, very small little light at the end of the tunnel. It allows them some some reprieve from being bullied and indoctrinated. If you can get yourself a label, then the system will give you a little bit of a reprieve, but it's, it really is though, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a Greek gift. It's not, it's not ideal, obviously, but for those multi-gifted, multi-dimensional, talented kids, the, the, the so-called rainbow generation, um, it's, it's their way out of um, it's their escape route from the indoctrination um, model. Um, it's, it's sad, but true. So really, um, ideally, like I said before, we pull them out and we give them safer environments, healthier environments. Um, and what they have to do then is de-school because it can take, they say that it takes a month for every year you've been in school, it takes a month to just to stop your head from wobbling and to get your sense of self back. There's a place on the east coast of Sussex called Hope, which um, takes in boys and girls, some of whom have been to school, some of whom haven't. But the ones who've been to school, you can tell the difference. And, the, and it takes them six months to a year to start to open out uh, because until then, they, they just, they're just subdued. They won't talk. Uh -huh. And then yeah, all I of mean, a sudden, one day they wake, they, they, they start thriving and... Uh, and it's wonderful to see. That's Hope Sussex, which is a community hub, which is going to set the world. It's creating a template for the world, actually.
Amazing. Uh, it's interesting that, um, I mean, I, I, I did some homeschooling. Uh, dur- I homeschooled students during the pandemic. There was the parents who were taking their kids out of school because of mass mandates and vax mandates and just the awfulness of that period for, for school children. Uh, and I also taught some students that had never been to school. There was one student, big shout out to Fintan, must send him a message. Uh, um, and he was a delightful young man, inquisitive, wanted to learn. It, it, him and another student, um, uh, Aaron, big shout out to Aaron. Uh, she was also homeschooled in Greece. Uh, uh, the difference between them, they weren't academically anywhere near many of the students because they hadn't been in school. But there was a very much uh, an artistic and um, uh, an engagement that was quite delightful. Yeah, they were really, really interested in even, the, you know, just the minutia of some of the topics that I taught them. Uh, there was a big difference and how quickly that they learned as well was very, very different to my experience uh, of school children. You mentioned labeling. Um, my first job as a teacher, whenever I had a new cohort coming into college, was to go around every single one of these students. And now these were adults, 18 years old and older, uh, but every single student, I had to find a label that I could pin on them. Oh, you're dyscalculic. Oh, you're dyslexic. Oh, you got ADHD. Oh, you don't you don't want to study this subject because you got a phobia of chemistry. Yeah, I mean there was literally those types of descriptions for students put down. Um, uh, that was my job, and my job was if you if they said there's nothing wrong with me, find something. That was my instruction, and we built this massive infrastructure of disability around every single student. Some reveled in it, some hated it. Where's all this come from? Why have we got to label all our students as disabled or defective because they're not? learning in a way that we consider appropriate uh well it's essentially in a word it's eugenics if eugenics is all about labeling certain people discarding certain people as not good enough and and basically uh, removing them from the from the food chain removing them from the genetic line and you um basically brainwash or indoctrinate people into accepting a label by labeling them constantly at school. And I wish I had a pan for every time that I've heard somebody hate themselves, loathe themselves, criticize themselves for doing, for getting the slightest thing wrong, whether, whatever, you know, and I call it, there's something I call the trolley apology. It's an experiment that I invite people to do. Go into a supermarket, and with a malicious, demonic grin on your face, get a uh, trolley, an empty trolley, and charge someone else's trolley. Bang into it deliberately. And I can guarantee that they will apologize to you. That's what schooling has done. If you want to see the effect of schooling, bash into someone's trolley, and they will apologize to you. And they're apologizing to you for several reasons. First of all, they've got this residual guilt and um, inferiority complex that they left school with. They're in a trance-like state because they're, they're brain damaged from the hippocamp- damage to the hippocampus. They are um, stressed to high heaven. Uh, and, and you'll also get an insight into why they do the strange things that they do, like drive in weird ways, do self-harming things, um, they don't want the conflict. It's too stressful to 
lift their face up and look at you and say, why did you do that? They, they, it's too stressful. Uh, the other thing I would say is that for those who have residual doubt about what I'm saying, uh, the science behind everything that I'm saying, and I talk about it in the book, NASA did a study um, in 2000, between 2005, 2015, on the effect of schooling on creativity. And even Sir Ken Robinson, now deceased, mentioned this in one of his books, and I mentioned it in my book. They took 1,600 boys and girls at the age of five, tested them for creativity or creative genius. Nearly 100% passed the test. After five years of schooling, it was down to 30% pass rate. After another five years of schooling, it was down to barely 10% pass rate of creative genius. And then they were tested again by other people, not NASA, and found that in the world of work, creative genius is only alive and kicking in 2% of the working population. So what we have is a process, like I called it lobotomization. It's yep. a de-skilling, demoralizing, and demotivational process so that when you are given um, a task, which is to go to work, to do a meaningless job, and Professor Graeber now calls them bullshit jobs, Ella London School of Economics, it's now a full-on concept. Uh, a bullshit job is a job that the, even the person doing it doesn't know why they're doing it. So when you're given a bullshit job, um, you'll do it because you're used to bullshit. You, you're... You, you're not thinking about it. You're just doing it. And you're used to complying. You're used to conforming. You're used to taking orders and instructions without question. And you're now ready to live an, a non-life and die um, having given your energy to the matrix. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's another thing that I noticed. Uh, I, I've noticed it in particular during the COVID period of 2020 to 2023. No, no one wants to put their hand up uh, and admit that they're wrong. Yeah. And people, are, it's, uh, I find it with students, they were like, they didn't want to answer a question that I might ask in one of my chemistry lessons because they were frightened of being wrong. And I think we teach our students that being wrong is a bad thing when actually it's a positive thing. Uh, do you think there's something in that that we teach kids? No, don't be wrong. Just don't say anything. And then you can't be wrong. And, and that allows uh, the compliance that they've achieved. Well, in with the package of narcissism, which is being produced by, because really children become, they don't become what their teachers say, they become who their teachers are. And their teachers on the whole are, are narcissists because they were the product of the narcissistic system. So what we have in narcissism is virtue signaling, not wanting to be seen to be wrong and never admitting being yeah. wrong. And whereas we always used to say uh, we don't trust politicians because they lie, it's not they don't lie because they're politicians. They lie because they're narcissists who happen to be politicians. Mm -hmm. And all these chief medical officers and um, CEOs and all these key figures, they're not lying because of who uh, of their job description. They're lying because beneath that job description is a narcissist who has various levels of malignancy. And obviously the most malignant ones are in on the genocide and the uh -huh. least malignant ones are just um, obeying orders and, and asking you for your papers. So yes, it's, you're right. 
Um, if you, one of the great giveaways that someone is on the right path is they say, I got it wrong. I, I really, really got it wrong. Um, and I, I, I said something, and it's not that I misspoke, for example, it's more than that. I just got it absolutely wrong. And I've done that myself personally a couple of times in the last few years. Fortunately, not too often, because you don't want to be wrong too often because you lose credibility. But yeah, you yeah. definitely want to be wrong at least once or twice to gain back the credibility, because someone who never always seemed to be right is, is, has no credibility. And being wrong is the cornerstone of learning. You know, if I, if I answer a question and it's wrong, uh, then I learn something, haven't I? Because I've just been told what the right answer is. David, we've run out of time. Been fantastic talking to you. Would love to have you on again in 2024. Happy New Year to you Pleasure. and to all, and all the TNT listeners. Happy New Year to you, all the TNT staff and everyone in the studio, etc. Happy New Year. Stay with us on TNT.